Good morning. Good morning. How you doing? <laughs> I'm wonderful. <laughs> that was such a delightful surprise. I was not expecting that. <laughs> I wasn't either. I just shot from the hip. I was like, yeah, that feels right. Let's do that. It did feel right. I love that. <laughs> it's going to be an even better morning for me now, now that I've heard you sing that to me. How are you, darling? I'm doing well. It was Nellie's birthday this past week. Happy birthday, Nellie, even though you don't listen to it. Fuck yeah. Happy birthday, Nellie. It's too scary. I get it. She doesn't listen to this because it's too scary, but that's okay. Happy birthday nonetheless. I had a little bit of time off or I made time off because I was tired <laughs> and uh, binged Severance. Yes. Yeah. Tell me. How did you feel about it? So the first episode, I was like, which is obviously intentional. I was like, what the fuck is going on here? Because it's like two thirds of it that you don't know what's happening. Yes. You're very confused. And then you're like, okay. I thought it was visually very cool and interesting. I, I really liked it. I really enjoyed it. But something that's very funny to me, there was a plot point that I was waiting for to happen in Severance that didn't happen. And then I watched this week's episode of Barry, and it happened on Barry instead. Really? Yes. I'm so intrigued. Barry is so good. I can't breathe. Like, it's Bill Hader as a director and as an actor is, like, I, I can't breathe with how good it is. It's, it's a fucking work of art. It's so good. It really is. Henry Winkler, I can't. <gasps> Andrew Kerrigan, I can't. Like, I can't. It's so good. It's so good. I was literally speechless by the end of the episode. Yeah. Like I wrote notes to remember myself to talk about it with you. And literally my notes just say, holy fuck in all caps, because I did the, like my classic, like smack my arm across the bed to Johnny of like, <laughs> holy fuck. Oh my God. You're right. Bill Hader is just, Ugh. he was already amazing in it, but he has just taken it to a whole other level. Yeah, totally. <gasps> it's so, and like how it ends. Girl. Oh my God. It's a direct reference to an episode in season one, like the acting exercise. Yes. <gasps> Girl. It's so, I literally just gave myself chills thinking about it. Oh, it's so good. I love you. I love you for saying that because I did not pick up on that at all. And you're totally right. Even though I rewatched both season one and two. Yeah. It's uh, the only gripe that I have is that in season one and two, there would be a little featurette at the end, like inside the episode, and this season doesn't have it. And I want it so bad. I want I want to know everything. I want the little, I want all of it. And it's not in this, this season. Oh, shit. So it's very distressing to me. Not at all? Usually you can like no. go, oh. No, no. I think they were probably like, we were dealing with COVID, so no. <laughs> we had other yeah. shit going on. It's uh, too much. Let's not get into it. Barry is so good. I was a little like, I don't know where this is going with the first episode because it is so tonally different. And episode two is just, it's like a masterpiece. It's so fucking good. I can't handle it. Yes, I completely agree. Mm. Even though episode one was amazing and I was immediately yeah. hooked, I was like, I don't know where they're going to take this. Exactly. I was like, I don't, I don't know where this is going. And I don't know if I'm going to be happy with where it's going. Yes. But episode two, I'm like, Monique, you dumb dumb. They know what they're doing. They're professionals, yes. How dare you? How dare you? Allegedly, Bill Hader's writing season four now. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Oh, I can't wait for that. I don't know that they've gotten the official green light, but I don't see how they, they won't. Oh, I can't. 
I can't imagine yeah. them not getting another season after this. Yeah. I mean, it's it's art, honestly. It's so fucking good. I can't handle it. I know. I'm <laughs> I'm just sad I have to wait every week with like patience. I'm, I'm not patient. I want it to binge it all right now. And I <laughs> definitely can't like wait the eight weeks for it all to be out to binge it. I'm going to have to just. Oh, absolutely not. Now I have to watch each episode as it airs. Mm-hmm. No, I was like that crazy person who was literally like counting down until 10 p.m. when the episode was released so I could like, oh, watch it yeah. at 10. Yes. I mean, luckily for me, I had boatloads of auditions and stuff. So I didn't. That luckily took up my mental space and my time that I wasn't like, come on, 10 o'clock. You know, so <laughs> that's <laughs> as good. I was the week before, I was definitely there being like, is it 10 yet? No. Ugh. Um, it's so good though. Oh, it really is. It really, Bill Hader is just. He's next level. He's next level. He's completely, oh, I can't even express how amazing I think he is after watching this season. Yeah, absolutely. Another recommendation. Did you ever get on to Miracle Workers, the show? No. I feel like I might've like in passing recommended it, but now I can't really remember because it's been so long. It's in its third season now. Mm. It's a show that's written and I believe also directed, or at least some episodes are directed by Simon Rich, who did another one of my favorite shows, Man Seeking Woman, mm. which is very funny and fantastical and weird. And Miracle Workers stars Steve Buscemi and Daniel Radcliffe. Daniel Radcliffe is amazing. Mm. There is a scene in the third season that is just <gasps> perfection, and I could not love him more if I tried. I don't want to spoil anything because it's like that fantastic and fabulous, but I highly recommend all the seasons are complete stories in and of themselves. Anthology, right? Yes. So they're not related. So if you want to just pick up at the third season, you can. It's the Oregon Trail season. It's very funny. And <laughs> Daniel Radcliffe is maybe my favorite actor of all time now after after seeing this. He's so good. He's another one who's really incredible. And it was very easy to discount him. You know, and honestly, I'll put Robert Pattinson in that too. Like they had these hits when they were you know, not Robert Pattinson exactly, but for all intents and purposes, these child actor, like youth, yeah, you know, franchises, they're really fucking incredible. I, I remember Daniel, uh, Daniel Radcliffe did Equus on Broadway. I remember that. Which, if you're not familiar with, is wildly intense. It's a wildly full intense frontal play. frontal nudity. Full frontal, yes. The last, Period. the third act is, he's in full, it's full frontal, the, the entire cast. And it's about this dude who's, at a like psychologist's office because he's been blinding horses. It's not remotely funny. I mean, it's a little like maybe like the darkest of humor, but it's really, really intense. Yeah. And he was so fucking great in it. And then he did How to Succeed in Business Without Really Trying. And I, a good friend of mine was in that show with him and she had nothing but wonderful things to say about him. That he was just, a, one, in addition to being talented and a hard worker, was just a down-to-earth, really cool person. I'm like, I love everything about Yes, that's what it seems like. Mm. And I love that he just takes these, like, weird roles that he wants to do and he, like, doesn't seem to really give a fuck. Yeah. I mean, when you have, when you have Harry Potter fuck you money, you can definitely do that. That's very true. Funny story about Equus. That was the play my college put on my freshman year, and we all had to go to it mandatory as like part of our. So literally, we were like, "These are our fellow students. That's his dick. That shouldn't be allowed in a college. Yeah, like, they shouldn't require nudity in a college. Like, I, I, I 
like if you want to do that on your own and do like your own artistic whatever the fuck but your teacher shouldn't be like and now you have to like because it's not just naked he's acting out having like his memory of having sex with this woman in a fucking stable like that should not be a thing that you're doing freshman year of fucking college that's just exploitative of 18 year olds right they did a great job for the record like very professional that being said i was a complete immature little girl during the whole thing. And I was like tittering behind my hands and like being like, are we really, is this dude really naked on stage? And we have to like go to this. And I'm sure like the kids, kids being the operative word here who were doing the show, are like we're doing high art. And it's like, yeah, but you're also being exploited as fuck by your teachers. Right? Uh, yeah, no, that's not, that is very not kosher. Like again, if, it, you know, most drama departments have their own drama club where they put on shows and whatever the fuck you want to do that there, go for it. But having the department head that, mm-mm, no. Yeah. Uh-uh. It's very icky to me. Yeah. Apparently, we had a very uh, progressive drama department. They were actually pretty big drama school. Is this in Florida? Yeah, Rollins College. Mr. Rogers went there and graduated. Oh, shit. Yeah. I feel like there was another fairly famous actor you. that came from there. Oh. <laughs> Girl, I'm dying right now. No, I didn't even... I. <laughs> No, I didn't even take a single drama course there. Johnny has taken more drama courses there than I have. My grandparents had a season tickets to the show, so I would always go to like one of the shows with them. Mm. It's like, but they had a good drama department. The theater was apparently haunted. Of course, they all are. All college theaters seem to be, or most even professional theaters seem to be. I mean, yeah, it's a thing. Yes. Especially have actors who are like narcissists. They like, they need to hold on even after they're, de- after they're dead. Yeah. It checks out to me. That tracks. <laughs> yeah, I used to tell people on the tour, I used to give the tour tours of the college during the summer. Mm. I used to be like, yep, it's haunted. Although I never experienced anything. And then I was a crazy person who would catch snakes on the tour. That's of course me. you did. Of course, of course you did. did. Oh my God. One time one bit me and I was just like bleeding all over the umbrella I was carrying. And then I was like, don't mind me. <laughs> yes. This is why I'm a complete weirdo, Monique. Yes. <laughs> I love it. Yep. I don't think they decided to go there because the weird tour guide caught a snake and then got bit by it. It was fine. It wasn't venomous. It was like a little black racer or something. These were so similar. And it's stories like this that it's like, yeah, that that's the deviation. That's where, <laughs> that's where, that's where there's the fork in the road. <laughs> nope. Nope. I like snakes. What can I say? I get it. I also saw Dick Tracy on the big screen for the first time in like 30 years at the Museum of Moving Image. Oh my God. Yeah. How was that? That's great. Dick Tracy's fucking awesome. I love Dick Tracy. It's a fantastic movie. It should have been way more popular than it was. And my friend and I kind of dissected as to why we thought it it wasn't popular because also the cast is outrageous. Like everyone is in this movie. It's Warren Beatty, Al Pacino, fucking Madonna, Dustin Hoffman, Paul Sorvino, like everyone is in this movie. And I think ultimately we were like, who is this movie for? Because it's not really for children because while it's not gruesome, it's wildly violent. Like it's just Tommy guns galore. Okay. And it's, it's a very colorful and cartoony because it, it looks like a comic book. Yes. So it's not really for adults either. So we've decided it was for kids who in, who watched it at an inappropriate age and then are now adults and are just having the nostalgia of Dick Tracy. But it's it's a fantastic 
Warren Beatty stars as Dick Tracy, but he also directed the film. And it's it's really great. And their use of color and shadow is really cool. And Madonna is like so fucking hot. Ah, I like she's never looked better. She's so fucking hot and she's so cool. I mean, I, okay. Full disclosure. Have you never seen Dick Tracy? I've never seen Dick Tracy. Oh, it's so good. I'm sorry. It's so good. It's like less than two hours. It's great. It's fantastic. Okay. It's a really, really, really great movie. I'll have to check it out. I think especially since you're into the superhero Marvel-y thing, even though this isn't Marvel. Yes, I am into that. I think you'd enjoy it. It's really great. Okay. I'll have to check it out. I'll see what it's playing on. I probably won't go to see it in theaters, but I can, you can pop it off. It was a one-off event of like Dick Tracy. I love it. But uh, I do have the DVD, so. Oh my God, girl. All right. Yes. I'll hit you up if I can't find it for free on uh, on one of the streaming services here. Totally. Like, Monique, come have a movie night with me. Yay. You didn't got to tell me twice. I'm done. I'm always down for a movie night. I know. We haven't had one in so long. Oh my God, I know. <laughs> Since Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, I feel like. Didn't we watch something else? The 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 one time I, I drank too many gimlets and stayed at your place. We were watching something. I don't think it was Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. I don't think so either. I thought we watched How To with John Wilson and then we watched uh, Succession. Yeah, I think that's what it was. That counts. That counts. It's movie night. Show night. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Uh, yeah, I have plans tonight to go see The Northmen with Alexander Skarsgård oh. at Alamo Drafthouse. So have fun. I'm very much looking forward to because uh, he's very ripped and sexy and shirtless. It mm-hmm. seems like. Mm-hmm. Very Nordic looking. I love a, love a tall Nordic man. What can I say? I get it. So yeah, I'm looking forward to that. And Alamo Drafthouse, you know, I'm obsessed with them now. I mean, it's the best. It's so good. It's the best. I, I need intense rules where they will keep yes. people out for talking. That is my, now it's Same. my baseline for movie theaters. Like, I don't want to go anywhere else. Yeah. You can't go anywhere else. No. Also, they'll like bring you food and beer to your table. I know. I love it. It's too good. Even at Dick Tracy, there was two people who didn't shut the fuck up the entire time. And I'm like, see, it's, it's an hour and 45 minutes. You can't not talk for that amount of time. No, we all have such bad ADD. We literally like have to talk or be on our phones at some point in 15 minutes, every 15 minutes. Enjoy the movie. Thank you. Watch the story unfurl. It's like, shut your mouth, sit in your seat and watch the screen. It's not complicated. It's crazy. Yeah. That's I, I, yeah. So like Dick Tracy is like, I know this movie pretty much forwards and backwards. So and it's, you know, when, because it's an old movie, like it's not going to be showing at an Alamo Drafthouse, really. Yeah. Unless it's like a special. But anything new, I'm like, if it's not Alamo Drafthouse, I'm not fucking with any other theater. No, no. Mm-mm. Absolutely not. I told you we got the season pass because we were like, yeah, this is a smart. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. We got a season pass because it if as long as you see two movies a month, it's worth it. Yeah. So if anyone lives anywhere where there's. Which incidentally, if Alamo Drafthouse wants to sponsor this podcast. Yeah. Wants to sponsor us? I love them. <laughs> I'm so here for it. <laughs> I would totally be okay with that. Absolutely. Uh, so now that we've gotten our other entertainment out of the way, do you have a spooky, creepy, what the fuck story to entertain me with this week? I do. But before we get into that, we have some correspondence <gasps> from Queen Grace. Grace? Lovely lady. Of my heart. Oh, love her so much. How is she? I think she's well. She's bestowing knowledge upon us per usual. Always. Greetings, travelers. 
It's been a while since I've had a chance to talk to you guys, but as always, I'm listening to your latest episode and I have to weigh in on lightning strikes. (gasps) Tell me, was my stupid knowledge that I remembered not correct at all? We're going to get into this. Okay. Here's the deal. The pathophysiology of the heart is really remarkable. Your heart has specialized cells in it that generate an electrical pulse completely separate from any other systems of the body. These cells are arranged in small clusters, specifically the SA node and the AV node. These cells have what's referred to as automaticity. Think automatic. And I don't know if I pronounced that right. I'm a fucking drama major. But Grace is a queen and amazing. You did your best, Monique. I tried. I support this. A down and dirty explanation of what they do dash the SA node is in your atria. It generates an electrical pulse that causes the heart muscle in your atria to contract. This electrical pulse travels down to your AV node that sits between your atria and your ventricles. The AV node holds onto that electrical impulse for a split second while your atria contracts, emptying blood into the ventricles. Then the AV node releases the electrical impulse that causes your ventricles to contract, squeezing the blood out of your ventricles and into your arteries. This is what causes your heart to beat. Again, these cells, these nodes, do this without any participation from the rest of your body. Famously, one of my instructors in paramedic school summarized the whole procedure by saying, quote, your heart doesn't care if you have a brain, <laughs> end quote. Interesting. Oh my God. And also, obviously, I didn't realize any of that. When you look at an EKG, what the EKG is mapping out is the progression of this electrical impulse through your heart. As long as these cells have oxygenated blood, they will keep generating electrical impulses, whether your brain is working or not. A lot of things can mess up your heart's ability to do this. For example, if someone has cardiac disease, it can affect how well your heart functions, not only mechanically, but also electrically. This also means that if something happens to disrupt those electrical impulses, it can cause your heart to stop dash. Case in point, you get struck by lightning that can scramble your heart's electrical impulses, putting you into cardiac arrest. A lot of times, or rather, sometimes, all that needs to happen in order to get your heart to beat again after this happens is your heart just needs a little direction to reorganize itself and start transmitting those electrical impulses correctly and effectively again. During resuscitation, when you see people get shocked by the defibrillator paddles or patches, what rescuers are attempting to do is reorganize the electrical impulses back into what they're supposed to be doing. So what can happen in a lightning strike is that the heart just gets confused and sits there quivering in your chest because those cells are all firing at once in a disorganized fashion. This is why I call defibrillation the electrical bitch slap. I'm obsessed with you. (laughs) Yes. That should be the technical term. Doctors should have to call it that now. They're like, no, we need to electrically bitch slap this man. Stat. Absolutely. Multipronto. You're basically saying to your heart, get your shit together and whacking it with a big fat electrical impulse, getting all of those cells to depolarize at once, get their shit working together and start working again the way they're supposed to. Kind of like when you see someone who's freaking out, throwing a fit, losing their mind, and you just skip. <laughs> and you just give them a big fat slap across the mouth. They stop for a second and say, wow, thanks. I needed that. I, it sounds like Grace is speaking from experience here. I've never done that. I've only seen this in movies. I'm not that cool. Right? I'm like just thinking of Airplane now where they're like shaking the woman and like slapping her repeatedly. Yes, that's all I can think of. Yes, and there's the line. of <laughs> Yes, yes. 
the nun with the bat. It's amazing. Airplane's amazing. Yes, I was going to say, there's like somebody with nunchucks, I feel like. Like, oh my gosh, <laughs> it's so ridiculous. And then, yeah, they have the the knuckle, the brass knuckles too. It's so funny. Oh my God. Yes! So, I love that movie. If someone gets struck by lightning and the means to electrically bitch slap them is readily available, there's a good chance you can make their heart get its shit together and start working again. Obviously, if the lightning strike is bad enough, it'll just short everything out, fry the tissue, and there's no saving them. But it's definitely worth giving it a shot if the person is not, like, you know, on fire or anything. Also, this is the reason why some lightning-struck people aren't resuscitated, because the strikes happen in remote areas where there isn't any means to save them quickly enough. Don't get me wrong, a lightning strike is fucking catastrophic, and I don't want to indicate that this is always the case in lightning strike deaths, but it's always worth it to try. Now, when it comes to your lightning strike dude and his mysterious woman in black, do I believe that she was a ghost that saved his life? Absolutely. You better fucking believe I do. Yes! Yes, Queen Grace. (laughs) This is a professional. This is a, yes, death professional. She knows her shit. Thank you, Grace. Fucking love her so much. She's professional as fuck that she also, you know, is kind enough to give us the ins and outs of how the body works and how, you know, the death industry works. So she knows what the fuck time it is. So you've heard it here. A ghost saved this dude. Queen Grace has decreed it to be so. Facts. But I also believe that the metaphysical and the physical join forces to save lives sometimes. But to me, the automaticity of the heart is just another example of how weird fucking magic is around us every day. Weird fucking magic is at work in our bodies at any given moment. And who's to say it isn't weird fucking magic that saves us? XOXOXO, Grace. Grace, we don't deserve you. She's so amazing. I love that so much. We don't deserve you. She's such a fucking queen. I love her. And we can't wait for your book to come out. Yes. We're obsessed with you. And if you don't follow Grace on the gram, you should. Her handle is Dead Men's Donuts. And I believe she also has a TikTok where she does like death Jeopardy, (gasps) like death investigator Jeopardy once a week. I don't know if she still does that. I love it. Yeah. And she gives prizes, including her really cool stickers that we're obsessed with. Just follow her. She's incredible, obviously. Grace, we don't deserve you. We're obsessed with you. Ah, who is the most amazing woman in the world? Okay. Literally. Just a total badass. (laughs) Sorry, I was trying to answer in the form of a question. I was was like... (laughs) (laughs) Grace. Queen Grace. A la Jeopardy. Grace. Queen Grace. Yes. Yes. Thank you. We're obsessed with you. Yeah, that was great. I was ready for her to be like, uh, way more people than one in seven die during uh, lightning strikes, Amy. Thanks. No, it was just like, it was like, oh, this is what's up. FYI. I love it. It was not a correction. It was an expansion. I love that. Yeah. I learned a lot. Yeah. I'm probably not going to retain 95% of it, to be perfectly honest. There were a lot of big words. Yeah. The heart doesn't give a fuck if you have a brain or not. Take that to the bank. It does feel like that sometimes. <laughs> I mean, all of my dating choices have definitely indicated it does not care <laughs> right. if I'm afraid or not. It's like, fuck your logic. <laughs> but I like him. He's so cute. I like him. I think it smells nice. Is it 90% off at the Red Flag store? Yes. Yes. <laughs> but, you know, <laughs> hey, the heart wants what the heart wants. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh. Thank you, Queen Grace. Amazing as always. Thank you so much. We're obsessed with you. 
All right. So now that business is out of the way, business is out of the way. Biology is checked off. Y'all got A's. Yay. There's no pop quiz. No pop quiz. Have a great summer, everyone. (laughs) (laughs) So we are going to talk about Kadena Airspace and Okinawa, Japan. (gasps) Ooh. Mm -hmm. So sources, sandbox.us. Military.com, medium.com, wikipedia.com, mysteriousuniverse.org, and 75stripes.com. Kadena Air Base, located in Okinawa, Japan, is home to the U.S. Air Force's 18th Wing, the 353rd Special Operations Group, Reconnaissance Units, 1st Battalion, 1st Air Defense Artillery Regiment, and a variety of associated units. Over 20,000 American service members, family members, and Japanese employees live or work in Kadena Air Base. It is the largest and most active U.S. Air Force base in East Asia. It is also believed to be the most haunted in the world. Yes, 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 Moni. (laughs) Yes. While Okinawa is a very popular tourist destination, boasting up to 10 million visitors a year due to its subtropical temperatures, coral-filled clear blue seas, and white sand beaches, Okinawa has a very bloody past. The Battle of Okinawa was the last major battle of World War II and began on April 1, 1945, as the U.S. Army began its final push towards invading Japan. The Americans knew capturing Okinawa's air bases would be crucial for victory, and the Japanese were all very aware that this was their last stand. By the time the battle ended on June 22, 1945, 12,520 Americans and 110,000 Japanese soldiers had lost their lives, as well as 150,000 Okinawa citizens. Damn. Yeah. Despite the death toll, the Allies had achieved their objectives and set up their operations on the Japanese island. One of the military bases captured was Kadena, which is still a U.S.-owned facility to this day. There's a cave on the base, and during World War II had been the site of a Japanese field hospital, with its opening covered in vines and protected by a mounted machine gun. So given that this was a field hospital and there was a war going on, a lot of soldiers died in the cave, as well as 17 nurses who took their own lives as the Americans closed in. While the cave is located next to the popular Banyan Tree Golf Course, Many native Okinawans refused to go anywhere near the cave's now sealed off entrance, believing the ghosts of the 17 women still haunt the location. Locals have reported feeling the despair and hopelessness whenever they are close to the entrance. Ghostly Japanese soldiers are also said to be spotted from time to time wandering around the golf course. Can you fucking imagine that? It was like, I'm trying to, like, I'm trying to get my 18 holes in. Like, can you not? Yeah. Some dudes on the green. What the fuck? Hop in the golf cart. Let's go. I got to go to my next one. You're in the fucking way. (laughs) Exactly. Can they caddy for you? That's the real question. Then I'm into it. I think that's an untapped market. Ghost caddies? I mean. Right? I'm just saying, like, if they're hanging around and, like, they're not doing anything. You wouldn't have to give them, like, health and dental because they're already fucking dead. Right? Like, how are you even going to tip them, really? Like, can they accept physical money? I don't think so. It'd just be like a howdy do. Thanks for carrying my clubs everywhere. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the the payment. I don't know if there's ghost currency. I don't know. Got to find this out. Yeah, that's a good question. I do remember that one ghost. I feel like it was some some haunted hotel in Florida. He was like obsessed with the dimes or something, and he could like move the dimes around. Oh yeah, the Porter House, the Porter Mansion in Key West. Yeah, he yes. got paid in dimes, so it was always like yes, finding dimes and shit around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, maybe. 
All right. I don't know. Just throwing it out there. I don't know. I don't know what the ghost currency rules are either. Yeah. It's the exchange rate. (laughs) I was like, you could probably be like, no, no, no. There's no inflation. I should pay you based on your time period. I would hope not. Yeah. Can you imagine them being like, dude, my ghost bread is fucking went through the roof this fucking month. (laughs) Damn ghost taxes. That would suck. It's like, fuck the IRS. I'm dead. God damn it. The ghost IRS. What the fuck? Bullshit. Those who live in or frequent the area are very mindful and respectful of the space and encourage those who visit to treat the land and those who may have died on it with the same consideration. Then there is Gate 3, one of the airbase's northeast entrances. On numerous occasions, both guards and service members have reported seeing a ghost of a bloodied World War II soldier who approaches them asks for a light for a cigarette, and then fades away when he's offered one. Allegedly, these sightings were so frequent, which I can, that's another thing. You can't, you couldn't even kick the habit in death. You're like, fuck, I really need a fucking cigarette. No. But also he's dead, so he doesn't give a fuck about his lungs. They're like, oh, that'll work anyway. Yeah. Yeah. He's fine. Can I enjoy my ghost afterlife, please? Thanks. <laughs> I want to indulge in all my vices, goddammit. Yeah, I didn't die with a lighter. It's fucking, I'm annoyed. I have to keep asking people, like, hi, do you have a light? Thanks. Allegedly, these sightings were so frequent, they were said to be happening almost weekly, that Marines refused to stand guard at the gate and the entry point was closed before it was eventually reopened. Damn. Mm -hmm. They're like not fucking around. These are Marines. They're like- These are Marines. That's what the fuck I'm saying. They don't want to seem like scaredy cats. Why would they be like, no, I'm not patrolling there if fucking nothing was really there? That's the thing. It's a fucking Marine. Like that's- is like, nah, I'm good. Yeah. I don't know. Highly suspect. Yes. Yes. In 2008, a security video at the gate captured what appears to be a black, shadowy, human-like figure run from behind the sign, then fly off to the other side of the road. In the video, you can hear the security guards confirming with one another that they're both seeing the same thing. Oh my God. No one can see my face, <laughs> but I've had my hands on my fucking cheeks and I am like jaw dropped at this. So if this footage is genuine and undoctored, it would be proof to back up a lot of the stories that have come from this location. And I actually just sent it to you. Did you? I did. In the chat. In the chat. All right. It's like midway through the article. There's a video under like building 2283 and then where it says gate three, that video under there, it's that one. Okay. Uh -uh. Uh-uh. Mm-mm. Nope. Uh -uh. (laughs) Uh-uh. That was so, uh -uh. (gasps) uh-uh. Monique, no, I have chills. (laughs) I have chills. That was pretty fucking weird. That was weird. It was weird. It was real weird. Yeah. That doesn't look like faked. It doesn't look... I don't know. I have no idea how to do any of that. Yeah. I would be pretty fucked up if I was on security detail and saw that show up on the fucking footage. Yeah. Like, it doesn't look like a distinct shape, but it fucking moves it fucking moves like nothing looks like it would move and it looks like dark but transparent yes exactly that was weird super weird it's not like oh that's a raccoon and we've it's not that i'll put it up on the gram yeah and it's not like you're like okay i can see how somebody walking by a shadow could get cast like that like no 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 it's clearly like above the ground and like flies away it's it like flies yeah. away yeah like i don't know how else to put it besides it looks like it flies away yeah oh okay mm-hmm. 
Motorists on the surrounding roads have also spotted various soldier ghosts roaming restlessly along the highways and then vanishing. Then there's the mother load, Building 2283. Building 2283 was a single-family home that sat in a residential area reserved for mid-grade officers and civilians of comparable rank, and it was also located next to a daycare for children. It is said that in the 1970s, an Air Force officer who lived in the building with his family went all Delbert Grady from The Shining and murdered his family on their property before taking his own life. Another officer who also lived in Building 2283 reportedly beat his wife to death, and the last officer that moved into the single-family home began experiencing paranoia. He started having hallucinations and violent urges, which culminated in him stabbing his stepdaughter to death in the house. What the fuck? Can we have, like, one nice family? It's like, not? Girl, important to note, obligatory devil's advocate. Yes. I was not able to find any sort of articles or documentation about these incidents anywhere that isn't this place is super fucking haunted article. Okay. Also, that being said, this is a military base and this is the 70s. Yes. So things are kept very tight-lipped as well. Yes. Especially shit like this where it's- Yeah, it's not a great look. Yeah, exactly. If they don't like have an explanation for it, they're not going to be like, hey, a bunch of the creepy shit's happening, by the way, guys, just FYI. Base officials stopped assigning families to the home, mostly because no one would live there, so it was converted into a storage facility. No fucking shit. Well, oh, you don't want to live mean, in the triple murder home? Like, literally. Yeah, you're like, no, thank you. I'm good. I'm actually good, thanks. And just because people stopped living there didn't mean the place stopped being active. First-hand accounts range from water faucets turning on and off on their own to a full-body apparition of a samurai warrior and his horse storming through the home. Okay, fuck yeah. If I'm going to have a ghost haunting, <laughs> that's the fucking one I want. AB's super here for I'm it. I'm so here for the samurai horse ghost haunting. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. And here's the thing. That's not the only sighting of a samurai warrior. A similar samurai warrior is said to ride the road to Camp Foster up Stillwell Drive, reportedly heading to base housing. So, I don't know. There's a bunch of samurais just rolling around here. I am so here for this, Monique. And Amy's so here for it. Her face, like, it's hilarious. She's so here for it. I love this so much. I'm so here for this. There have also been multiple instances of people seeing a woman washing her hair in the sink of the abandoned house, as well as the sounds of children laughing, crying, and playing, despite there being no children around at the time. Teachers at the daycare next door would often see their kids throwing their toys over the fence onto the 2283 property. When children were asked why they were doing that, they said, quote, the little kids on the other side asked them to, end quote. <gasps> Chills. Nope. I know. Nope, nope, nope. That's when I nope the fuck out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't like ghost children, Monique. You're like, well, I'm quitting right now. Mm -hmm. These kids are cool. your responsibility. Goodbye. In 2000, April Marling, director of Cadena's information tickets and travel office, was on the property heading a ghost tour because, yes, every year, the week leading up to Halloween, there's a spooky sights ghost tour that takes visitors to the cave, gate three, and building 2283. I'm here for this, too. Which is so weird, like, that a fucking Air Force base is like, yeah, we can have ghost tours here. That's fine. Yeah, it's fine. I don't know. That's right. You said it's still an active base, right? Yes. Yes. That's weird. That is weird. I think so. But I'm also not in the military, so I don't know how any of that works. Thank you for your service. So 
April was leading a late-night tour with 30 visitors when they stopped in the backyard of Building 2283. As she was telling the group about the macabre history of the house, they heard a phone inside the house start ringing. And as far as April knew, there shouldn't have been a phone line connected to the uninhabited home, and no one orchestrated a phone call to the house to spook the tourists. But as soon as the group heard that phone ring, they all bolted back to the bus, which I'm like, yeah, same. Bye. Bye. Okay, thanks. Got my money's worth. I'm good. I need new pants. Let's go. I'm good. Clearly it's haunted. Yep. Another group visiting the house in the mid-1990s had a similar spooky experience. As the tour guide began speaking, a curtain from inside the house parted and the entire group saw it. Creepy. No. I know. The incident was enough to break up the tour for the evening. They're like, no, I'm good. Yeah. That's good. Thank you. Yeah, we could just stop and go to the cocktail hour now. I'm, I'm actually- That's great. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Jerry Johnson, a former tour director for Cadena's United Services Organization, had heard all the stories and was curious to check out the house. So he and some fellow USO employees went inside. Although it was summer and nearly 100 degrees out, he said the house was ice cold, as if the air conditioning had been left on high, even though it wasn't on. Jerry also said he saw bloodstains on the floor and on the old curtains. He said, quote, it was an extremely eerie experience going into that house. One could almost feel a presence there, end quote. Creepy. Dude. Author Jane Hitchcock wrote about the residents in her 1995 book, The Ghosts of Okinawa, which documents a number of Okinawan ghost tales. Jane, who lived in Kadena from 1992 to 1995, while her husband was assigned there as a Marine, said that when she was researching the murders for her book, base officials were very vague about the details. Okay. In her book, the author goes into how she held a seance in the house on Halloween night in 1994. During the seance, she said she spoke with the spirit of a little girl who played with the spirit of a little boy. The little girl said she was afraid of a man on a horse. Oh my God. Okay, I just said that, and I just heard a horse neigh, literally right as I said that. Because sometimes there's cops on horses outside. Yes. (gasps) I said that, and I just heard that. Oh my God, that gave me chills. (sighs) Okay. Ghost horse. Ghost horse. Although really, it's a police horse. Thank you for your service. (laughs) Um, (laughs) The author noted how a candle flame would jump up four or five inches each time she would ask a question that required a yes answer. She claimed to have had a recording device that picked up whispers of the spirit answering questions. Although she was asked to do more seances on the property, Jane said she was so freaked out by her experience that she never returned to the house again. Building 2283 was notoriously known as the single most haunted house in the entire U.S. military until it was finally demolished in 2009. You might be wondering why it took so long for the Air Force to tear down the house that sat unoccupied for decades, but Cadena reportedly attempted to tear it down. But workers attempting to destroy the building reported headaches, hallucinations, and suffered from a high rate of on-job injuries. Weird. Very bizarre. Demon house. Yeah, for real. Girl. Burn that shit down. But apparently, building 2283 isn't the only haunted residence at Cadena Air Base. This account, posted on Reddit, so attribute as much salt as you would like to it, comes from a man who lived at 72 Clark Vista on Cadena from 2002 to 2005 as a child with his family. His account is as follows. Quote, 
the paranormal experience I want to share with you happened in my bedroom. In my bedroom was a mirror in which I could see myself if I faced a certain way. As I was trying to go to bed one night, I suddenly felt like something was watching me. And at that moment, I felt an incredible amount of fear. My heart was beating out of my chest, and with a quick glimpse into the mirror as I was laying on the bed was a tall, shadowy figure in the shape of a man. But this man had no face, and it was standing directly over me. The shadowy figure wasn't a solid human shape, but rather looked like it had an all-black robe on with wisps of black smoke coming from its body. The moment I saw the figure, I was frozen with fear, but I managed to put a blanket over my head. I stayed under the sheets for what seemed like forever and mustered up the courage to peek into the mirror to see if the shadowy figure was still looking at me. I lifted up the sheet and with one eye peeked in the mirror and in the mirror, I saw the figure was even closer to me than before. Again, I retreated under the sheets. After a few minutes of staying absolutely still, I started to hear knock, knock, knock from my closet door. Nope, 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 nope. Chills. I, nope, no, 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 nope. I don't like closet shit. Nope. Oh my God. No, absolutely no, not. No, no, no. It's funny because uh, one of our listeners, Lex, who runs the Peony podcast, hey girl. Yes. And if you don't listen to the Peony, you should. It's run by Lex and Julia and they're rad as fuck. They're amazing. She was saying that because of poltergeist, she can't sleep with the closet door open. And I was like, correct. Is that why I can't sleep with the closet door open? Is it yes. because of poltergeist? Did it do that to me? Yes. I think so. It checks out. Honestly, even though this one's close behind me, like I still keep like darting my eyes to it every few seconds, preparing for it to like slowly creak open. Yeah. Yeah. I understand that. I understand that. The trauma is real. Yes. Oh, for sure. Once that happened, I said, fuck it and sprinted to my parents' bedroom and jumped in their bed. I was in eighth grade and my dad was in the army. So his reaction was a little bit of what the hell are you doing? He told me to go back to my room and I absolutely refused. My mom believed me and showed me some pity and allowed me to sleep in their bed that night. My dad was stationed back in the States about two months later, but I will never forget that night, end quote. Oh my God. Mm. In addition to the tremendous loss of life experienced during the Second World War, some natives believe the island's dwellings were built on ancient burial grounds. <gasps> dun, dun, dun. Which again- I love poltergeist. There you go. Yeah. Brought it right back. If you haven't seen Poltergeist, right back. One, you should. It's fucking amazing. Didn't move the bodies. Uh, exactly. And two, you should listen to my coverage of the Poltergeist curse in one of our first episodes. And three, spoiler, it doesn't turn out great when you build model homes on top of a fucking graveyard. It does not. It ends real bad. But if you're looking for a summer vacay and all of this creepy shit sounds super appealing to you, Tour guide Setsuku Inafuku warns anyone thinking of visiting Okinawa not go near these sites alone and to be prepared to appease the spirits should they go near at all. And that is the story of Kadena Air Base in Okinawa, Japan, which is known as the most haunted airbase in the world. <gasps> I loved this story so much. <laughs> I knew you would, especially with Japan. I love Japan. You know this. Of course. Two, that's scary. I don't want to go there particularly, mm -mm. but I kind of do. I understand that. I want to see the samurai ghost on the horse. <laughs> I mean, that sounds pretty cool. Universe, if you're going to deliver a weird ghosty situation to me, I would like it to be that. Boxes checked. Samurai ghost is ideal. Yes. Don't give me like a creepy Victorian lady or like little fucking creepy kids. Children. Mm -mm. Absolutely not. Mm -mm. Badass samurai on a horse. 
Yes, please. Fuck yeah. Yes. Also, that's like a twofer because I get to see a ghost horse too, which, hello. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I'm down to see some ghost animals. Dude, for sure. That's something that I, I think maybe was part of like the, the cool appeal of the Headless Horseman. Oh, totally. Because it's, it's like also like a ghost horse. You're like, fuck yeah. Yeah. And I feel like he usually has like flames in his eyes or something crazy. The ghost horse. In, in, uh, maybe. Yeah. I'm here for it. I like all of it. Oh, I'm so here for that. Thank you for that story. I don't want a ghost monkey though. No, 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 no. That's too much. No, that's too much. Like yeah. dog, cat, horse. Totally. Sure. I don't want any birds. No ghost birds. No, if that's no. a thing. Absolutely not. Mm. I'm a big bird person. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah. No. You're welcome. I read this story like ages ago. <laughs> I know what it was. I was going to do it. And then you did yours about the observation point in Afghanistan. I was like, oh, fuck, I can't do a military, like, right. You can't do a military. The next right? week. So I have to hold on to it. You totally could have. Psychic Sisters. OP Rock, that's what it was. Yes. Yeah, of course. Fingers in the eyes always, baby. Always. Fingers in the eyes. Fingers in the eyes. Oh, I know. I set up. Monique is showing us our wonderful little cross-stitch. The lovely needlepoint that Haley, Queen Haley, hey girl, yes. made us. I still owe her a gift. It's still on my, like, 12-month-long to-do list that is just getting longer <laughs> We've and not longer forgotten about you. I have not forgotten, Haley. I actually set up a bulletin board by the side of my bed, and it's hanging on that, so I see it every morning when I wake up. <laughs> there you go. And it just continues to remind me that I <laughs> am a terrible procrastinator sometimes, and I'm not always great with time management in my personal life, so I don't get to things as timely as I would like to. But it is coming. It is coming. We don't know where, but it's coming. It'll just show up randomly as a surprise one day. <laughs> yes, this is, this is true. This is a fact. Yeah, I feel like creepy military bases are always like especially, I don't want to say like reputable, but like slightly more reputable to me. Yeah, it's a fucking Marine. It's yes. not me. I'll freak out over anything. It's a fucking Marine. Yeah. These are people who are like trained to keep calm under pressure. Yeah. To not give a fuck. Yes. To have no fear. Totally. So I'm very intrigued by this though. If anyone has gone here or. <gasps> yeah. Yes. Let us know, obviously. Or is planning a trip. Yeah. Hit us up. Keep us posted. I'm intrigued. Mm-hmm. I couldn't find if they still do the, the ghost tour because everything else that I found was when the house still existed. So I don't know if that being the. The big get if now it's since it doesn't exist that they don't do the ghost tour anymore. Okay. Maybe. So I don't know. The whole base is haunted though, from what it's from your story, from what I can gather from your story. That's what it sounds like. Yes. Terrifying. Thank you again for that. <laughs> I mean, yes. If I go to Japan, that probably will not be one of the first things I do. I'll probably <laughs> probably hit up some other tourist attractions first, but I'll keep it, I'll keep it in mind. Boom. Love it. And then, yeah, if the universe wants, has, to, has to send me a ghost, Samurai Ghost. Thank you. Please and thank you. Oh, there you go. I like that. I like that. I'm on board with that. I'm definitely not going to get that in New York. They're going to be like, what? Lady, no. <laughs> you have like a... <laughs> Could you imagine if you did? Oh, my God. Girl. I'd be extra confused, actually. I'd be like, what is actually happening right now? Are you lost? Yeah. What's happening? Did someone slip me something? <laughs> slip me a Mickey in my drink? What's going yes, on here? That's exactly... I don't know about this. So we got some some fucked up crime. <laughs> <laughs> just a, just a little. So, I mean, okay. crimes are generally fucked up. Yeah. So it's like a baseline fucked up. They tend to be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
All right. I'll try not to traumatize anyone too horribly this week. Sources. LATimes.com, unsolvedmysteries.fandom.com, crimeonline.com, mazulian.com, morbidology.com, lostandfoundblogs.com, screenrant.com, and good old Wikipedia. Love it. Nylene K. Marshall grew up in Clancy, Montana with her mother, Nancy, stepfather, Kim, and her brother and sister. On June 25th, 1983, the tight-knit family attended a picnic being held at a campground in the scenic Elkhorn Mountains in the Helena National Forest in Montana. The picnic was organized by the Capital City Radio Club, which her stepfather was a member of. Around 4 p.m., four-year-old Nylene and two other children were seen playing near the beaver dams along the banks of a shallow creek. As the two other children returned to the campground, they walked ahead while Nylene followed behind. But when they eventually turned around, Nylene was gone. Her mother and stepfather immediately reported her missing, and the young girl's disappearance sparked the largest search ever conducted in the area for a missing person. Mm. For 10 days, hundreds of volunteers, as well as the FBI, extensively searched the campground and area where Nylene was last seen for any sign of the missing girl. Mm. However, the terrain was rugged and the forest was dense, which made their search efforts difficult. The search and rescue team scoured the bottom of the creek, the nearby mountain ridges, and Ugh. even the mine shafts in the area looking for the little girl. Although they drained beaver dams and went so far as to crawl on their hands and knees in the thick undergrowth of the forest in an attempt to locate her, their search efforts were unsuccessful, and eventually authorities decided to bring in helicopters with heat-sensing devices to scan the area. Oh, shit. As well as professional divers to comb the creek bed. Damn. Yeah. While it was initially believed that Nylene may have simply wandered off and gotten lost in the woods, authorities began to suspect that the four-year-old girl had actually been abducted when, after several days of searching, a child came forward and said that they had seen a strange man with Nylene right before she vanished. Mm -mm. The following day, another child came forward with the same story. The children said the man was dressed in a jogging suit and had apparently spoken to the two children and Nylene for a brief moment. Mm. One of the children said they ignored him and continued to walk, while the other said they became afraid and ran away. One of them told police that he heard Nylene said that she, quote, had to follow the shadow, end quote. As the other two children returned to the picnic, Nylene was left alone with the man, and moments later, they had both vanished without a trace. Mm -mm. Since neither of the children had spoken to the other following the disappearance— but had reported the same incident, the authorities believed the children's story was credible. Mm -hmm. In addition, the account the children gave matched other tips they had received from people in the area on the day of the picnic. Unfortunately, by the time police started to investigate Nylene's disappearance as an abduction, hundreds of volunteers had already trampled through the woods mm. and contaminated any potential evidence. Fuck. Yeah. To make matters even worse, a downpour of rain hit the area not long after, impending search efforts and washing away any evidence that could indicate what had happened to Nylene. Ah, oh, fuck. After 10 days, the search was called off due to the heavy rains and low temperatures, which, if she had been lost in the woods, made the young girl's survival virtually impossible. Right. Although several witnesses reported seeing the unidentified man in a jogging suit nearby just before Nylene disappeared, authorities were unable to connect him to Nylene Kay's disappearance. Mm -hmm. At one point, her stepfather was also considered a person of interest in her disappearance, but was never named a suspect and was later cleared of suspicion. Mm. Absolutely certain that she had been abducted, Nylene's parents distributed thousands of missing persons flyers across the country mm. and pictures of the four-year-old girl who had dark brown hair, blue eyes, a chipped front tooth, dimples, and a freckle above her left eyebrow 
were plastered on billboards and milk cartons across the country. Mm. Eileen's parents even briefly created a nonprofit called Big Sky Rescue Dogs that trained search dogs to locate human scent since this specific type of search dog was not available immediately after Eileen went missing, and they felt it would have been a very valuable tool in helping find her. Sure. Eventually, they asked Dr. John Watkins to hypnotize seven people who were near Nyleen when she vanished and were able to create a composite sketch of the suspect. Mm. It is reported that the sketch resembled a man wanted for child molesting and grand larceny in other states. (gasps) Shortly after the publication of the composite sketch, a photograph of a girl resembling Nyleen was found in an apartment where a suspect in the case had been staying. However, the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children determined that the girl in the photograph was not Nyleen. Unfortunately, none of the initial leads the police investigated panned out. Mm. Then, more than two years later, on November 27, 1985, the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children received an anonymous call from an unidentified man in Madison, Wisconsin, Mm. who claimed that he had been the one to abduct Nyleen. Not long after, a typewritten letter was sent to law enforcement in Madison, Wisconsin, from someone claiming he had kidnapped a girl named Kay, which was Nyleen's middle name. Hmm. They believed the call and the letter were from the same man. In the letter, he said that he was raising Kay as his own child. He claimed that he homeschools her and that he lives off his substantial investments. He said they traveled frequently and they had been to San Francisco, New York City, Oklahoma City, New Orleans, Nashville, Chicago, Puerto Rico, Canada, and Great Britain. He said he realized how much her family must miss her, but that he had grown to love her and did not plan on returning her to her parents. In the letter, he said, what's the point of this letter? To like rub it in, I guess, to fucking get off on these people's pain or some shit. I don't fucking know. That you didn't catch me? I guess so. It almost seems like he wrote the letter to be like, I really like your daughter. She's very nice. I understand why you would miss her. So like, I just want to let you know she's okay. I'm taking really good care of her. Like we travel. I homeschool her. It's great. It's like, no, dude, it's not great. It's fucking awful. Give me my fucking kid back. I have a stank face to this whole thing. It's appropriate, Monique. It's appropriate. Mm -mm. In the letter, he said, quote, I love her and I have her. I just can't let her go, end quote. Fuck you. Fuck you, correct. If this is real. I don't know if this is real. Yeah. So slight trigger warning for this next part for a really weird form of child abuse and just general ickiness, if you don't want to hear it. I would skip forward 30 seconds or whatever. Fast forward button a a few. Yeah, exactly. Because in the letter, he also claimed that he gave her medicine every morning, which was really just a spoonful of his semen. (gasps) But said, girl, yes, correct. But he was like, oh, I don't molest her in any other way. So it's fine. Like, I just give her a little teaspoon of semen in the morning. Like, ew, What is actually wrong with you? Monique is like hiding her face in her coat. And that is correct. That is the correct response. Yes. This information is horrifying. I know. I felt that it needed to be said because this is fucking weird and creepy. And yes. Who does that? Who does that? Fucking who does it occur to anyone to do that? I don't know. Thank you. Like, why? Why would you even think of this? Gross. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah, I know. I re- it was one of those things where, like, after I read this, I was like, I need to go, like, take a 15-minute break and come back from this because I just, like, my brain needs time to process this information. I need a shower. Ew. Girl, yes. Like, a fucking share in Silkwood shower. Just, like, real rough. Yes. hmm 
Because the letter also included details about Nyleen's abduction that weren't made public, authorities believed it was genuine. (gasps) Not long after the first letter, an organization called Child Find of America received a very similar letter. Mm. Over the next six months, Child Find of America received two more letters from the man they believed had abducted Nyleen, both postmarked from the Madison, Wisconsin area. Hmm. They also received two phone calls from public phone booths in Madison, presumably from the same man. Nyleen's parents received three of these phone calls, and the FBI was eventually able to trace some of them to specific phone booths in Madison and Edgerton. However, after the booths were located and surveillance on them began, the calls stopped. The final correspondence came in June of 1986, when the man sent a letter to Nancy and Kim from Madison, Wisconsin. After that, the calls and letters stopped and the case went cold. Mm. Following the phone calls and letters, investigators believe that the kidnapper may have traveled through Madison, most likely as a salesman or a truck driver. There was also speculation that after abducting Nyleen, the kidnapper linked up with a female accomplice. In June 1990, seven years after Nyleen's disappearance, her uncle saw a composite drawing of a couple wanted in another state for child abduction and said the faces in the sketch closely resembled a couple he remembered seeing on the scene the day Nyleen disappeared, Mm. which seemed to kind of help that theory, but nothing again ever really came of this. Mm -hmm. Then on November 21st, 1990, Nyleen Marshall's case was aired on an episode of Unsolved Mysteries. Mm -hmm. Fuck yes, Unsolved Mysteries for helping us all out. Fuck yes, absolutely. Before the broadcast, FBI officials said they only received one call with possible information regarding the case, but after the episode aired, they received almost a dozen tips from people who had seen the show. Mm. One viewer, a school official in Vancouver, British Columbia, called the tip line because one of his students closely resembled the missing girl. (gasps) The school official said that he believed Nyleen may have been living under a different name in Point Roberts, a small island near the U.S.-Canadian border in Washington state. According to the caller, every day, a 12-year-old girl named Mary Ann Kelly was driven to school in Vancouver by her father, a man named Robert William Kelly. And apparently, the school officials found him incredibly suspicious. Mm. First, they said he was difficult to contact and constantly told the school that he didn't have a telephone number where he could be reached. And if they asked him for an address, he would tell them that they were between addresses at the time. The school officials were also incredibly suspicious of Robert's behavior when he would drop off Mary Ann at school, because apparently after he dropped her off, he would get out of his car, go up to her classroom window and look through it to make sure that she was still there. What the fuck? Yeah. While these were possibly just the actions of an overprotective father, Mary Ann's teacher was especially disturbed by this behavior. After receiving the tip, the FBI put Mary Ann and Robert Kelly under surveillance. When the agents reviewed her school records, they discovered that they were false and began to believe that Mary Ann Kelly was actually Nyleen Marshall, and the man known as Robert was her kidnapper. How old is she at this point? This girl is 12. Okay. So eight years of her life, she's been with these people. Yes. (sighs) Okay. I know. Not wanting to spook him and allow him to escape with Nyleen, federal agents were initially hesitant to approach Robert. Finally, in December 1990, FBI agents arrived at the Kelly residence with a search warrant and proceeded to search the house extensively. Eventually, they found a box in a closet labeled bathroom articles, which I don't even know what that means. Yes. What? Articles you read in the bathroom? Products you keep in the bathroom? As opposed to other articles? I don't know. I have no idea. 
that was one of the things that I was just like, all right, weird thing to label a box, but sure. My house also never was the type that had reading material in the bathroom. Oh, really? It was like, you just handle your, your business. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like mine either. Although when I was a little kid, I can remember going over to our friend, my dad's friend, George's house and his wife, Renee, and they like had a little kid. So this was not like it. This was just like this playboys a, oh, girl. They weren't playboys, but it was like some equivalent to that. And I remember being like so scandalized, but also so intrigued. And I went to the bathroom probably yeah, like 16 times while I was there. Cause I was like, I got to <laughs> check out what's going down in these. I got to check out some titties. I, yes. It was like hunting magazines and then like, yeah, titty mags. And like literally just like in the bathroom that guests use, they like didn't hide them. Like you just. This is Florida. Of course it was Florida, Monique. Yeah, of course it was. (laughs) This trashy story about the porn in the bathroom that I saw as a child. Yes, this is from Florida. (laughs) People are wild, man. People are wild. That will never not be the most accurate statement ever. Before wild. Yes. And they're like, this is appropriate. So at like seven years old, I was like weirdly excited to go to their house because I was like, I'm gonna get to see some titties. And they always had sun-kissed orange soda, which was my fucking favorite. And so I would drink a sun-kissed. Fuck yeah, sun-kissed. And like <laughs> flip through some dirty mags in the bathroom. <laughs> so inappropriate. That's, like, don't do this to children. That's hilarious. Yes. I thought you would enjoy that. Absolutely. When my mother lived in Cuba, her because she's from there she had an aunt and uncle who had difficulty conceiving. So they basically kind of like adopted her as their like pretend baby. And they would go out to like the Tropicana and shit and they would take her. And she was like five years old, four years old, five years old. And they're taking this kid to this fucking nightclub. Not appropriate. So my mom had like a super bougie life. And then that was the first time she ever saw hand dryers in the bathroom. Yeah. And she was so fascinated that like every like 15 minutes, she'd be like, can I go to the bathroom? And like, are you okay? Are you not feeling well? She's like, no, no, yeah, yeah. Because she literally just wanted to play with the hand dryers. I just want to play with the hand dryers. <laughs> That's really funny. Also, for the record, those are super unsanitary. If you have the option not to use them, don't use them. They're real gross. In case you didn't know. Even the ones you don't, you don't touch? Like the Dyson ones? Yes. They literally just blow fecal matter all over your hands. That's all they're doing is hot poop air. That's what that is. <laughs> Enjoy on your nice, clean hands. No, if there's, a, I literally will like. The more you know. Yes, thank you. Uh, no, I'll literally just like wipe it on my pants and then like open the door, and get out. No, don't use those. There you go. Don't, don't <laughs> use them. All right. So in this box labeled bathroom articles was a photo album with pictures of Robert and Marianne with an unidentified woman and a birth certificate for someone named. Monica Vanilla. Mm. When they looked into the birth certificate, however, the authorities realized that while Mary Ann Kelly was not Nileen K. Marshall, she was in fact another girl who had been kidnapped eight years earlier. Monica Bonilla. Get the fuck out. Yes. Yes. An anonymous tip from watching an episode of Unsolved Mysteries resulted in like another thing mistaken identity, but also resulted in them finding a kidnapped girl by chance. You're like, oh, but by the way, she actually is kidnapped too. Yes. A hundred fucking percent. I could not get over this for one second. I'm very into, into shows that there's a call to action and then people do it and then things get solved. Like, yes. I'm pretty sure it was America's Most Wanted. It was like how they found John List. Yeah. So 
most of the sources said it was unsolved mysteries that resulted in that. But I did read one source that said it was America's Most Wanted, the show. For John List or for this one? No, no, no. For this one. Just FYI, everyone. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, no, because Unsolved Mysteries has the, the phone number at the end, too. Yes. And I didn't know if America's Most Wanted was a thing yet. Do they really cover like missing persons cases? I, it was a thing, but I didn't know that they, I thought it was like they showed people who were wanted that they knew for a fact. I didn't know if they necessarily. Yeah, I think it's missing, like they're wanted and they're missing, not this other person's missing. I think that's that was how um, Unsolved Mysteries was. Yes. So I went with the Unsolved Mysteries version of this, but there was a source that said it was also America's Most Wanted. Yeah. Regardless, a true crime show resulted in them just coincidentally finding this girl because she happened to look like another girl who was missing. Bananas. That's crazy. Monica was just five years old when she was taken from her home in Burbank, California on September 22nd, 1982 by her biological father, Guillermo Bonilla. Her mother, Rosemary, returned home from work that day to find their house completely empty. (gasps) All of their furniture and possessions were gone and the house had been stripped of everything, including the light fixtures. Can you imagine, Monique? No, I'd be like, I'm in the wrong house, I think. Yes. And anyone who's moved ever? It takes for fucking ever. How did they do this in one day? It doesn't take an eight, a nine to five day. Wild. That's fucking nuts. The once happy family had recently struggled when in 1980, after the murder of John Lennon, Guillermo's behavior began to radically change. One day, he woke up and told Rosemary that John Lennon had been reincarnated into him, which I don't think that's how that works, dude. Usually, like, you go into, like, a baby situation. You don't just, like, pop into somebody who's been fucking around for whatever, 30-something years. And how convenient that it's, like, a famous, beloved icon, even though John Lennon's a piece of shit. But it's not, like, Steve, who runs the bodega, It's John Lennon. Oh, yeah. I'm sure he chose you of all people. Get the fuck out of here. What are you bringing to the table, dude? Nothing. After that, Guillermo took it upon himself to do everything possible to look like Lennon. He grew out his hair and beard and purchased clothing similar to those the singer would wear. You're just a stalker and fucking weird. You're just fangirling. Right? Their marriage suffered as a result. Yeah, no shit. Yeah. Culminating in Guillermo kidnapping Monica and taking her from her mother. The day after Monica was kidnapped, one of Guillermo's relatives contacted Rosemary and told her that she would never see her daughter again. But Rosemary never lost hope that she would be found and continued to pray for her daughter's safe return. Mm -hmm. After Monica was kidnapped, Rosemary eventually moved to Los Angeles, remarried, took the last name Levi, and had a son named Dorian. Mm -hmm. Over the next eight years, she spent over $20,000 hiring private detectives to search for her daughter. Damn. Finally, on December 22nd, Eight years after she was kidnapped by her father, Monica, now 13 years old, was finally returned to her mother. What a mindfuck. Right? While Monica told the FBI that she was well cared for by Guillermo over the years, she said that he had told her that her mother was dead. Of course. What a piece of shit. Yes. Not cool. Mm Mm-mm. Now knowing that was not true, Monica was thrilled to be reunited with her mother and was excited to meet her six-year-old half-brother for the first time, saying, quote, I love my family. I've got a little brother. He's sweet. I was happy before, and I am still happy, end quote. Mm. But Monica's happiness was nowhere close to her mother's, however, who said she was, quote, the happiest mother in the world, end quote. Mm. Rosemary felt that Monica's discovery via a mistaken identity was a miracle and God's will because he had taken pity on her. Mm. 
She said, quote, God has sent back my daughter. She was found by accident, but I don't believe in accidents, end quote. Same girl. 43-year-old Guillermo Bonilla was arrested and agreed to surrender himself to Los Angeles authorities to face charges of parental kidnapping. I couldn't find what the outcome of his trial was or Mm -hmm. if he was sentenced and for how long he was sentenced for. I only read that he was being held in Bellingham, Washington, awaiting extradition and arraignment in Los Angeles on charges of parental child abduction. Mm. And that was kind of the last I heard of it. Right. While Nyleen Marshall's parents were sad that Monica had not been their missing daughter, they were glad that another missing girl had been found and returned to her family as a result of the mistaken identity. Mm-hmm. In August of 1991, there seemed to be another break in Nyleen's case when Richard James Wilson handed himself into Livingston police and confessed to killing Nyleen, as well as another woman from Great Falls. Wilson had a history of mental illness and had been on probation since 1984 for sexual assault against a minor. While he claimed he knew where her body was buried and told police a search of the area turned up nothing. Wilson later recanted his confession and was eventually released since there was not sufficient enough evidence to tie him to the crime. Hmm. Although Monica's story had a happy ending, sadly, Nyleen's story gets even more tragic. Oh, no. Yeah. When her mother, Nancy, was murdered while on a trip to Mexico in (gasps) 1995 to look for possible houses for the family who were planning to relocate there for her husband's job. Oh, my God. I know. I guess trigger warning for this next part because it's really sad. And I just am going to describe how they found her and the situation. If you want to skip over this, you're more than welcome to. I'm not going to go into too much detail, but it is very upsetting. Nancy was found hanging from a shower rod of her hotel room (gasps) with her hands tied behind her back. Her hotel room door had been kicked in. She had been bruised and beaten, and her wedding ring, watch, and a bottle of perfume were missing. The money and valuables in her safe were untouched. For a wedding ring, a watch, and a fucking perfume? Yes. What the fuck does that cost? I read one article that said there was also some sexual assaults, Mm -hmm. but I that was only one source. Um, and I, yeah, so I don't know, but that may have also been a reason. Mexican authorities originally listed Nancy Marshall's death as a suicide, then changed the case to under investigation. It's the same shit with, uh, Adrian Shelley. Yes. It's fucking bullshit. Mm -hmm. Cause people who hang themselves always tie their hands behind their backs and beat themselves up before they do it. Right. Okay. Right. No. Nancy's husband, Kim, says he was advised by the State Department not to push for a murder investigation as it would prevent them from releasing Nancy's body for burial. Mm. Although he was convinced his wife was murdered, he didn't press for the investigation because he refused to, quote, let her body rot in a Mexican morgue, end quote. That's so awful. I know. Nancy's body was returned to the family and she was buried in Texas. She died never knowing what happened to her daughter. And to this date, no trace of Nyleen or her alleged abductor have ever been found. And that... That's awful. Is awful. Correct. That is the awful, heartbreaking story of the disappearance of Nyleen Marshall, the death of her mother, Nancy Marshall, and the slightly uplifting aspect of the story, which is the recovery of the missing Monica Bonilla, mm-hmm. who was kidnapped by her father. I know that was a lot, but 
Unsolved Mysteries for the fucking win. Unsolved Mysteries is amazing. Yes. Ugh. I could not get over this story for the fact that it was just like, oh, I think this girl looks like Nylene who's missing. Mm-hmm. JK. It's another chick who's missing. She's still a missing girl. It's just not the one we were looking for. Holy fucking shit. It's wild. It's wild. So that was a shorty, little short story for you guys, but I felt like it was a good one. And it had at least one uplifting aspect to it, despite the brutal tragedy of the rest of the story, which I apologize for. I mean, it is the true crime portion, so. It is the true crime portion. We know what we're getting into. We do. But Unsolved Mysteries for the win. Unsolved Mysteries for the win. Thank you, anonymous callers. Absolutely. Yes. If you see something, say something. If someone's acting sketchy as fuck and is like, no, we're, you, there's, I can't give the school a phone number to contact me about my child. No, no, we don't have an address. Like, bro. Although my favorite anonymous call was when they were looking for Ted Bundy, a woman, like, that's when, like, everyone was like, I think it's my boyfriend. And there was this one woman who was like, I think it's my boyfriend. He was, like, trying to cover my mouth while I was, like, he was trying to strangle me while I was sleeping. And I think my boyfriend is the murderer. And then she calls back being like, JK, I was snoring. And he was trying to... <laughs> oh, my God. That's hysterical. I would be so embarrassed. I'd be like, oh, I got to call the FBI back and be like, I was actually snoring. Just kidding. I'm snoring. I'm sorry. I have a deviated septum. I'm sorry. Oh, no. <laughs> I would be like, don't do that again. I fucking called the FBI on you. I thought you were fucking Ted Bundy. Yes. Just shake a bitch. Don't cover my mouth. Thank you. I was going to get you fucking arrested, motherfucker. Just turn me. Yes. Don't cover my mouth. Turn me. Just roll me over. Thank you. Thanks so much for that story. There were so many emotions throughout that entire story. I know. Mm. It was very sad, but the Unsolved Mysteries thing made me really happy. And I still can't believe, like, what a weird fucking coincidence that they fucking happened to look alike. And they were just like, yeah, this dude's sketchy as fuck. I think it's her. And then they were like... Also, she's kidnapped. Yes! Two... Yes! Two kidnapped girls. (sighs) Crazy. So crazy. But it's awesome. Thank you so much. You you nailed it, as per usual. Thank you. Thank you for your story and your creepy... Okinawa airbase ghosts. Your samurai on the horse. Samurai on the horse. I'm still not over that video that you showed me. No. I'm going to put it on the gram so you guys can see. And then you weigh in. You let me know if it's real or not. Yes. Speaking of the gram, apologies. I feel like I have not been on in genuinely like three to four months now because I am a huge (laughs) slacker. I'm going to get on this week. But apologies to anyone who has like messaged me or commented me. I like I had to take a little break for my mental health and I will, I will be back. It's all good. Monique knows. Monique knows my struggles. <laughs> Girl, the struggles are so real. The struggles real. It's so real. It's so real. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. I know. I know you can appreciate this about me. So yes. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you don't follow us on the gram, you should. So you can see this fucking security footage, of this ghost and let us know what you think. Do it. It's creepy. You can find us at Another Fucking Horror Podcast. You can find me, Monique Sanchez, at Pin Up Girl Mo. You can find me, Amy Traden, at Lobotomy, and that's Lobot, period, Amy. Every sixth episode, we do a True Listener Tales episode where we read your true crazy stories. So if you have one or you just want to say hi, you can email us at anotherfuckinghorrorpodcast at gmail.com with a period instead of the U in fucking. 
As always, keep it cute. Keep it creepy. Bye. Bye. 